Psalm number 12. I won't ask you to stand because we stood already singing the hymn. But we, we begin this psalm with a prayer. Um, it's a real short prayer. So that makes it easy for me, Shalom. I can remember short prayers. How about you? You know the shortest verse in the Bible? Hmm? Y'all all answering for him. Yeah, Jesus wept. Yeah, well, this is, this is a short prayer here. Verse number 1 of Psalm 12 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. That's the problem. Why is he crying for help? The godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. We're not talking about people necessarily falling from grace here. We're talking about the lack of believers, the lack of brethren. Uh, the, the whole countryside, we see people everywhere. You know, Sister Provy sent out that verse this week about the fields being white unto harvest, but the laborers being few. And pray the Lord of the harvest, you know, would send laborers into the harvest, you know. Um, these men David are speaking, speaking about that don't qualify as a godly man, and they don't qualify as faithful men. He speaks about them in verse number two and says that they speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips. It's one thing to pay a compliment to someone that's justly deserved. It's another thing to seek to gain something by being a flatterer and, and all the time trying to puff people up, you know. So these people are after something, and they're flattering with their lips, and with a double heart do they speak, and that speaks of the flattering too, doesn't it? Because they're saying one thing just to be able to gain. They're making merchandise of people. They devour widows' houses uh, in the New Testament. So verse number 3 says that people that have double hearts and they have flattering lips, it says that the Lord shall cut off these, shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. What type of proud thing is the tongue speaking? Well, verse 4 says that they have said with our tongue that they will prevail. Um, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Who's going to say it's going to be any different? We're at the top of the food chain, in other words. What we, says, what we say goes. Uh, you know, or you might imagine the silver-tongued type person who seems to be able to talk his way out of any situation or talk people into anything. Uh, or how about the politicians? that they'll campaign on the one thing, right? And they get it, because that's what everybody wants them to do. But they get into office and they don't do it. They don't do it. Yes, they're liars and cheats and thieves and scoundrels and knaves and all sorts of things we can name. Verse number five says, for the oppression of the poor. That's what they're doing. 
They're, they're, they're fleecing the sheep, making merchandise of people. For the sighing of the needy, the Lord says, Now will I rise. Saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. From the one who's, if you think about that old bull out there in, in, in JT's pasture, from snorting at you and from getting up there and shoving people, you know, around, shoving other cows around and um, getting their way. The poorest one, that's the, well, it's the same way on the, on the, uh, in, out there in the, in, in Africa on the plains, you know, they, all those wildebeest be running along there and, and, you know, what, what do the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the predators prey on? The weakest. Yeah. And that mama may be trying to protect that baby calf because it just can't run as fast as the, the full grown cows, but, but uh, eventually, you know, the predator gets its prey. Where's our safety? How are we going to escape? Well, we don't have just a mama cow trying to keep, you know, us from being, being eaten. Here we have the Lord on our side, right? The Lord said, I will set him in safety from him that puffed at him. You know, Brother JT talking to us last week about numbers, right? He said something about numbers last week. Well, look here in verse number six. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words. How pure are they? Well, it says that they're as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. It doesn't get any purer than that. That's perfection. That's completion. That's words that are not going to fail. Uh, that's words that will be accomplished. What, what God says is going to be done will be done. You know, his word does not return unto him what? Void, right? It doesn't return to him empty. It's going to accomplish that which he set forth for it to do. Verse 7 says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, David could say that in his generation, Brother Jerry. Here we are saying it in our generation, you know. It, had, it hadn't changed. It's, it's, his word still stands, and not only that, but the wicked are still after the same old game, you know. Uh, and the Lord says he's going to keep them, that is his people, and preserve them from this, this generation forever. If, if, if there's a thousand generations to come, it's hard to imagine, it'll still stand. The word of the Lord endures how long? forever not just a little while not, not just when the Lord was walking on the earth uh, you know but forever forever and ever <clears throat> then he says in verse number eight the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted you think about when when the wicked are exalted and they're in places of power and authority what does it say? The wicked walk on every side. I mean, they're in the broad daylight, in the wide open. They're doing whatever, you know, because there's no one to stop them. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's no law that's being upheld. Uh, it's, it's lawlessness, it seems, you know. 
Um, and the laws are even changed, you know, or written in their favor, you know, it seems. So Brother JT said something this morning already about our forefathers. And I ran across this quote by uh, J. Gresham Macon. And he said that America is running on the momentum of a godly ancestry. When that momentum goes, he says, God help America. Because the momentum, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not like the word of the Lord that endures forever. You know, this nation's not going to endure forever. You know, there hasn't been a nation that's endured, you know, forever. Kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen. Kings have been raised up and kings have been put down. Presidents have come along and presidents have gone. Um, so whether this nation continues to stand or it falls, there's no other hope for us than in God. The one who we see that his word is tried as silver is tried in a furnace purified seven times. And he who keeps us and he who preserves us forever, forever. <clears throat> Think about those in Jeremiah's day. We read in Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Here's these that have been taken away captive, right? And what does Jeremiah say unto them? He says, seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you. The Lord says, whither I have caused you, the place that I have sent you, seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. So you think about those, I mean, here we are, we're, we're living in our own nation. And we're called to pray for our leaders now. You know, and how often do you pray for President Biden? That the Lord calls us to. If we don't, we're in direct violation of God's commandment unto us. And it's not just our president, but, you know, if we have a boss, we ought to pray for our boss. You know, if we, uh, you know, the mayor, you know, of our town, you know, school board, people in the places of authority, you know, wherever they may be found. I mean, Shalom, Emmanuel, Danny, you got coaches, even them, you know. Well, how about even in your house? There's your mama, you know. You pray for them, you pray for your mom and dad. Yeah, Brother Jerry said pray for him. You know, he's, he's pray for me. We're called to pray for one another, aren't we? Um, so here he says, Seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. Pray unto the Lord for it. What's David doing here? What's he saying in the very first verse? Help, Lord. The godly man ceases. The faithful fail from among the children of men. Now, we've not been carried away captive into a foreign land but the land around us is becoming increasingly foreign <laughs> it seems like we hardly recognize the landscape anymore it's changed so much you know, maybe not so much for the young people here they they you know my youngest hear me talking about the way things used to be but but um you know they've grown up into some of this that's not so abnormal to them as it is unto us well, Romans chapter 11, verse number 1 says, I say then, Paul says, has God cast away his people? Lord, the, the godly man ceases. 
Lord, the faithful fail from among the children of men. Has God cast away his people? Well, wait, didn't we read there about he shall keep them and preserve them from this generation forever? Paul says, God forbid. It can't be so. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he make, maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, dig down thine altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men. Now, why am I reading that? Because David's saying the godly man ceases. Because David's saying the faithful man is, is, it can't, can't be found. And, and isn't that Elijah's perspective? I, I, I'm the only one left, Lord. There's not anybody else. And what, is, what does Paul say here? That God says unto Elijah, I have reserved to myself 7,000 men. There's that word seven again. <clears throat> There's those numbers again. 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so then at this present time, and it's the only reason why there is, it says also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Well, there wouldn't be any of us otherwise. If God hadn't done that thing Brother JT was talking about this morning about calling us. There wouldn't be 7,000. There wouldn't be us. There's a remnant. Why is there a remnant? It's according to the election of grace. It's by the grace of God. By grace, we've been saved. You know? Yeah, only by the grace of God. Yeah, this, this faith that we have, it's a gift. Right? And you keep reading on, and, and, it's, and it's so that no man can boast. We have nothing to boast in. David says, help, Lord. It seems like the shortest possible prayer that could be said, right? Just two words. Help, Lord. It's a good prayer to learn. You see, the Lord knows everything that's going on in our thoughts concerning situations. I mean, we, here we, He knows more about it than we do. We look at that thing. We think upon that thing during the day. I pray this prayer often. Think about something that's going on. Lord, help. And it's not just words. It's not just something to say. Um, you know, you hear people say, well, I'll be thinking about you when you tell them about something you're going. Well, what good does that do? You know, here I'm asking the Lord to help. I'm wanting the Lord to think upon the situation. I want the Lord to work in the situation. I want the Lord to do something in that situation. You know, do something in me, maybe in the situation I'm going through. But, but um, it is a short prayer. But as short as it is, I don't think it can be excluded, you know, from... James 5.16, when it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How long does a prayer have to be to qualify as an effectual fervent prayer that avails something? Yeah, I mean, here it is. David saying, Lord, help. That is an effectual fervent. You know, of course, I know that somebody could just say those words, but I'm talking about help, Lord, coming from the heart. Help, Lord, coming from the thoughts that are swimming around in my head concerning this situation, and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go except to the Lord. I don't know how to help here. Uh, what can I do but say, 
help, Lord. Sometimes that's all you have time to say. Sometimes things come upon you so fast. They're sudden. What are you going to do? I was listening to a man preach this week, and he says, you know, about Peter, when Peter was walking on the water, and he began to look at the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. That he didn't make some long, drawn-out prayer. He said, Lord, save me. You know, help me. Help, Lord. Sometimes that's all the, the time we have, um, you know, to, to be able to pray. And the Lord knows everything that's behind those words. Um, I'm not saying there's not a time for the sweet hour of prayer that Fanny Crosby wrote that hymn about. There, there is time for that. Uh, but sometimes it's, it's, they're, they're, it's, the things are happening so quickly. Uh, maybe all the time there is is say, help, Lord. Or maybe, like I said, you know, things are, I mean, they're just of such a circumstance that we just don't know what to do, how to pray. Um, and so we say, help, Lord. I mean, it seems to be that's the situation here with the godly man ceasing and the faithful failing from among the children of men. And David's saying, Lord, help. What, what can we do? What can we do? The foundations are being destroyed, Lord. We saw that last week, didn't we? In Psalm 11, help, Lord. The foundations are being, are being removed. Things are being shaken. Where's the shaking coming from? The Lord's the one doing the shaking. You know, are you going to be shaken loose? Well, not if you're his, because it says that he'll keep and he'll preserve. Um, What can we do? Yeah, we can't do anything. The Lord can. The Lord will. The Lord is. The Lord is doing something. We, we don't see maybe what it is. That doesn't mean the Lord's not working. We don't understand what it is, but that doesn't mean the Lord's not working. So it is a good prayer. Uh, since first learning this prayer, which is just not in reading and studying this psalm for preaching this morning, um, I've, used an, I've used this prayer often in my life. Um, maybe you will too if you haven't before. Um, I know the Lord knows all that's going on. And it's, it's an effectual prayer. I, 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 I need a release from all that's the, the pressure that's building because of the situation. And there it is. Help, Lord. Um, you know, sometimes, I don't know if this is illustration or be able to be thought about and understood, but if you've ever seen a, 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 a water heater, um, the guys at work, you know, they'll, they get on to each other with, rib each other when they say hot water heater well, what else is it going to do it's a water heater it's going to heat the water right so but it's got a valve on it doesn't it steve and it no it'll release pressure if it builds up too much won't it <clears throat> well here all this pressure's building all the turmoil of the circumstances and the trouble that's going on here's that release valve i can't i can't change things I can't even change myself and, and overcome, you know, things on my own. I need help. And there's that valve that can release, you know, all that anxiety, all that fear. And you, you bring these things before the Lord and lay them at his feet and say, Lord, here they are. 
Here's all of this. It's a great big mess, and I can't do anything with it. Lord, help. Help, Lord. Hebrews 4.15 says that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us come, therefore, boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Lord, help. Help, Lord. David says, The faithful fail from among the children of men. You know, the, the conditions that David is, is lamenting over here. The godly man ceases. The faithful fail from among the children of men. Doesn't sound ancient, does it? Sounds pretty current. Uh, sounds pretty current with what we're facing in our own day. How many will say what Brother JT was saying this morning? I mean, those things Brother JT is preaching this morning, those are not popular things. Yeah. Well, they, they, they are things that are, that, are, that are well received among God's people who know the truth. I mean, talk about the doctrine of election. Mm, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. They want man to be in control, not God. How many preach that? How many preach those things? Not many. Not many. Right now, our young men, Andrew and Danny and Cohen, they're going through a book, through a study, and the book mentions in it how few young men there are who seem to be Christians. It's thoughts for young men is what this book's about. By J.C. Ryle. I don't know. Danny, how many? How many at school? How many are there? Not many. Would, would you say they're more on the few side than on the many side? That's the way it's always going to be. It's always going to be that way. We're going to find ourselves in the minority, not in the majority. But as one man said, and I don't... I'd, 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 I'd revise it. He said, he said, one plus God is a majority. I, I'd just say God's the majority. He doesn't even need the one. You know, he's the majority. He's the one that's sovereign. That's what JT was talking about. JT's telling us that God's sovereign. He's the majority. You know, and I'm glad that there is one. And there's not just one, but more than one. You know, Elijah thought he was the only one. But God says, no, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee unto Baal. He said, I alone am left. What shall we do? Help, Lord, must be our cry. Brother Conrad told us, Brother Conrad Merle, he said that it looks as if the godly cease to be found and that there are no more faithful, trustworthy, honest people among the children of men. He said, empty, meaningless chatter Flattering speeches intended to seduce and vacillating insincerity are the character and tone of conversation. How are we, he said, to be kept, preserved, and protected from being swept away by the corruption of our day? Preach, teach, warn, 
plead, labor as we might, we will not convert all the wicked from their wicked ways. Our purity and preservation depend not upon changing the world, but in our God keeping us from the world. Isn't that what the Lord prayed? John 17, 11, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are. And so he finally closes and says, Even so, as God has preserved his people in previous time, he will surely keep them from this generation, from the evil that's around us, from this wicked generation that would love to cast our cords off from them, that would love to just stamp us out and and destroy us. These that David talks about here who have double hearts and flattering lips. They think they're going to prevail by their tongue, by their speech. The foundations of government in our day seem to be crumbling just as it was in David's day. You think about where things had gotten for him with Saul chasing him across the um, desert, as it were. Samuel had anointed Saul just as he had anointed David. There were those who were encouraging David to do away with Saul. But David says, Saul's overthrow will come at God's hand. Not at mine. Not at mine. But here, wasn't Saul, couldn't he be described as a double-hearted person? I mean, at times he showed kindness towards David and he's repented of all that he had done. Next thing you know, he's chasing him again, wanting to put him to death. Say one thing, do another. That, that describes the double-hearted, doesn't it? Okay. Hopefully none of us are guilty. You know, saying one thing, doing another. You know, we, we act one way among people who have a certain persuasion, and then when we're away from those people, we act another way. What do you call that kind of person? Hypocrite, yeah. It's exactly what they are. But they're not going to be overthrown. They're not going to be destroyed. They are going to prevail. Who's Lord over them? They said, Listen to the pride. Listen to the arrogance. Proverbs 6.16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And it includes these that we're reading about here. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Who, who are they oppressing? The poor. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. James talks about them, says they foam out their own shame. Like a dog foaming at the mouth, right? But what's foaming out? It's lies. You know, it's, it's this... Proud, <clears throat> proud look and innocent, shedding innocent blood and devising wicked imaginations. You know, some people, if, if you, I don't know if you got it, I, I kind of sent it between services, but the, 
the image that was above all the verses that came um, across the church text group this morning. That image there, what it is, it's an image of Doeg. You remember who Doeg was? Doeg the Edomite. You remember him? Hmm? So when David fled Saul and he came to the temple and there Abiathar the priest was, and Abiathar starts to question David, you know, what are you doing here? You know, what have you come for? And, um, you know, David begins to tell him that he's been sent, you know, on, on a certain task. And it was, it was so expedient of him that he didn't have time to bring food and didn't even have time to bring weapons. And so he asked Abiathar, is there any food here? And he says, well, there's just the showbread, you know, that, that, that had, is, is here, but it can't be given unless the, unless the men have kept themselves pure. And David says, they've kept themselves these three days. And so he gives them the bread. And he says, is there any weapon here? And he says, only the sword of Goliath. And David says, I'll take it. There's none like it. And so why would David say there's none like it? I mean, it could have been an ornate sword. It could have been a large sword. But what do you think that sword meant to David? Victory, sure. God, God going before him to, to, to fight. The, David couldn't have slain that giant on his own. God did that. David, David would have cowered like the rest of the men, except the Lord had given him faith to step out on the battlefield. Unless the Lord had stirred his heart, you know, to go out there and, and do that thing, he would have cowered like the rest. He was smaller than, he was younger than those other men. How am I doing? What's, it's actually got a counter now. How many minutes is left? 28 minutes. Well, not done yet. 28 minutes. <clears throat> so, this, this man Doeg, though, he was there. He saw David there. And later on, Saul begins to question people and say, anybody knows anything about David? Where David's at, you know, tell me. And Doeg says, I saw him. He was there with Abiathar the priest. And, and Abiathar prayed for him, gave him provisions, gave him a sword. Well, Saul's enraged already. That just sends him further over the edge. He, he, he can't even make rational decisions at this point. Uh, he, he's so outside of himself. I mean, you, you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Would it have been more painful if the Lord hadn't come and, and spared them? Would it have been more painful for them to have endured a flame for a long period of time? Or more painful for them to endure a fire seven times hotter than had ever been heated for a short period of time? Well, if the king had thought about it, you know, roasting them, you know, probably would have been a lot more painful for a lot longer. But he was so far outside of himself and angry about this. Heat it seven times hotter than ever before. You know, he wanted that flame to match the boiling point of his fleshly temper. Well, here, what else could explain? I mean, this, this is, this, 
These, these are priests. I mean, these, these, these are, you know, you think about Saul going to Samuel so many times. <clears throat> and here are these priests. And he didn't just, well, first of all, he told the men there beside him, his soldiers, rise up and slay the priests. Not just Abiathar, but all the priests. There were 85 of them. And those men were like, no, um, you can kill me, but I, ca- I can't do that. Uh, you know, it's like David saying, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm not going to do his prophet any harm, you know. And uh, Doeg didn't have any type of conviction like that. He didn't have any type of compunction like that. Doeg rose up and slaughtered those priests. Amazing. You can go back and read about it. And I think, what is that, First Kings? I think it's around 17, 18, 19, somewhere around there. Um, well, in Psalm 52... David writes about it. And some people think that what David's writing here, because of the imagery that we have in the beginning of the psalm about the godly man ceasing and the faithful failing, some people like to think that David might have been thinking about that. Um, you know, it, I mean, you know how he felt. There was, there was one that escaped, Abiathar's son. And he comes to David, and David feels, feels guilty you know, in a sense that he was there and Doeg saw him and David knew Doeg was there and David probably felt like Doeg was going to go and tell and that something may happen to the priests. And it did. Um, but in Psalm 52, this is a psalm of David when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David has come unto the house of Elimelech. And this is what David says. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. Thy tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good and lying rather than speaking righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words. O thou deceitful tongue, God shall likewise destroy thee forever he shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. Where do you think that might be? Rooting the wicked out of the land of the living? Well, you think, where's it going to be potted? Where's it going to be planted? Hmm? Out of the land of the living, the wicked? Where are they going to find themselves? In hell, yeah. Yeah. Think about God planning people, you know, there. Root thee out of the land of the living into hell itself. But it sounds similar to what we're reading here in regards to, you know, the wicked. The, the Lord shall cut off the flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who said, will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who's Lord over us? So I can see how it might kind of current, fit into our current psalm a little bit. Uh, with the expression of David about the godly man ceasing and the faithful failing from among the children of men. When you think about those priests, 85 of them killed. What a day. Um, You know, that that must have been for many who looked on to that situation. Um, You know, think about people who we know about in Scripture that have been martyred like Stephen or, you know, throughout history. 
Um, you know, what about those? Right? I, I just recently listened to Pilgrim's Progress again. I don't know how many times I've listened to it and read it. But evangelist comes to um, Christian and faithful before they make it into um, the town of um, Vanity Fair. And he tells them, he said, one or both of you are going to seal your testimony in this city with your blood. And one of them says, I'm sure it'll be you, brother. And the other one, I'm sure it'll be you, just sort of thing. But evangelist tells them that the one who does so, that the one who seals his testimony you know, with his own blood in that town, though it's going to be difficult what they're going to, have to go through, they're actually going to have the easier time because they don't have to go through the rest of the journey, you know. Um, and so here's this verse in Brother J.T.'s favorite book of the Bible, Isaiah 57, verse number 1. Listen to what this says. The righteous perisheth, and no man lay it to heart. And merciful men are taken away. That sounds kind of like what David's saying there in the beginning of Psalm 12. But listen to the second half, and it fits with what I was telling you about Pilgrim's Progress. None considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. So those who've been martyred, they were taken away from evil that was to come. More evil, much you know, further evil that was to come. Uh, but in it all, God's in control. God's sovereign over it all. So men who do not fear God, do not trust his salvation, refuse to serve him, think that they can talk their way in, to, through, or out of anything. Can you imagine? I actually had, had gone through and picked up a sketch of some of those people. I didn't bring it with me because I didn't think I'd have time this morning. But I'll give you one. One person further beyond Vanity Fair, whenever Hopeful joins Christian for the rest of the way, one man that they meet, his name is Ignorance. Ignorance comes all the way to the gate. And at the gate, when he knocks and seeks to gain entrance, he's bound hand and foot and cast into outer darkness. How far can a man go? All the way to the gate, you know, apparently. I mean, aren't there those in Scripture, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? You know, and, and, and Bunyan uses that sort of, sort of uh, thought that an ignorance presents as Christian and hopeful begin to question him about his faith. You know, how is it that you think you're going to gain, you know, Entrance into the kingdom, he says, my heart tells me so. My heart tells me so. In the deepest regions of my heart, I believe it to be so. But like Brother JT was talking about, those who have this sort of belief and they go on living their lives, you know, just, just as if they had never made a profession of faith, you know, here's this man, Ignorance. And, you know, Christian and Hopeful, Hopeful not, didn't have as hard of a time across the river of death as Christian did. In fact, Hopeful was there to encourage Christian, put his feet up on the rock, you know. Um, but ignorance, when he came to the river, 
It was easy. Isn't that, you know, we see there in, in, what is it, Psalm 72, 74, somewhere around there, you know, there's no bands in their death. You know, that's the part, the one that I was telling you about, Sister Shelby, I think it's 72. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and you're asking me about that day? Yeah. They think they can talk their way into, through, or out of any situation. It's their tongue that they put their trust in, not the Lord. The weapons of their warfare... What do we see in here? Flattery, arrogance, lies, deceits, threats, and such. The honest, they become victims. You know, if you're going to call them out and say what they're doing is wrong, you just put a target on yourself. You know, you've now become a target for, you know, whatever it is that they want to seek to try to do unto you. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to forsake the law of God and join them. You're going to be like Pliable who went along for a ways, you know, with Christian, got to the slew of despondence. It's not for me. I'm going back. Yeah. Now, we can't join them. Can't, should we allow ourselves to be exploited and plundered by those who would devour us? What do we do? We do what David does here. We cry out, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. That's where our help is, isn't it? It's in the Lord. He's the one that will cut off flattering lips, right? He's the one that will deliver us from the one that puffs against us, makes boasts, you know, and claims that they're going to do this or that. Isaiah 59 verse 13 says, Transgressing and denying the Lord and turning away from our God, speaking oppression, speaking of these type of people, and revolt, Conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words, and justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking, and he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. That's what I was talking about a while ago. Now the Lord saw it, and it was displeasing. He sees, he knows, he tries. You know, his eyelids, we talked about that last week, trying the hearts of men. In his sight, he saw there was no justice, no justice. And so we see the Lord here in Psalm 12 arising and putting those that, are, that belong unto him at safety. That's what we read there. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Today's Father's Day, right? Hmm? Some of us don't have our fathers anymore. Still think about our fathers on Father's Day. You know, some of us do have our fathers. They're still with us. But you think about how the cry of a child moves the heart of a father. You know, Andrew, he, I saw you lurking in the hallway you know, yesterday. And I, was, I figured that's probably when you put that card on my desk, wasn't it? Yeah. And I didn't see it till 3 o'clock this morning. But he put a Father's Day card there on the desk this morning, you know. And I sent him back a picture. Did you get it? Did you get what I sent back to you? You didn't see it in your text messages? I sent him a picture of this little guy that the Lord gave me to raise. This little guy that the Lord gave me to teach and instruct and to bring up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, you know. Um, and I still think about him that way. 
I still think about him. I guess I always will. I always think about him that way. Um, my dad still tells me things. He still instructs me. And it's not the same way that he used to. You know, used to was go get a switch. <laughs> you know, it's not that way anymore. But um, nothing moves a father like the cry of his children. It still moves him. If he sees one of us as his sons, because he didn't have any daughters. He's got a daughter-in-law, a couple of them now. But, but it moves him. I can tell when something's going on with one of us. Well, the Lord's moved. The Lord moves. We see it here. When something's happening to one of his children. If you don't have your earthly father anymore, you still got your heavenly father, right? Still got your heavenly father. It says that the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. And it says that he shall keep them. The Lord will keep not only us, but he'll keep his word. He can't do any different. He, he doesn't change. He doesn't say one thing. He's not like those that were described above, right? They say one thing and do another. Or maybe they had good intentions somewhat, said they were going to do something, but they didn't follow through. Well, that's not God. That's not our God. Our God, His Word is, is pure. His Word can be trusted. You know, His Word will be kept. And He says that He will keep us. He will keep us and preserve us from this generation forever. And he's able to. He's able to. Well, it seems like we live in this day in verse number 8. There at the end of the psalm. What does it say there? The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. So in other words, when corrupt men are put in places of authority, <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of wickedness that runs loose and amuck in the streets. The wicked walk on every side. Jeremiah 5.31 says, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. You know, that's what they're looking for. When the vilest men rule, and those are bad times, the wicked become even more boastful because evil is exalted. Listen to Proverbs twenty nine twenty two: When the righteous are in authority, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Right? But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. The people mourn. We ought to rejoice when God gives us just leaders. Hadn't been many in my lifetime, but there's been a few. There's been a few. And we ought to mourn, just like David does here, when the Lord gives us lying, cheating, unrighteous men to bear rule. What does David do? He says, Lord, help. Help, Lord. How should we live Godly in a, God, in a godless society. Help, Lord. Help me to walk in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation 
righteously and uprightly and godly in a well-pleasing manner before you. So our hope and our prayer is this that David says, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be able to do so. Lord, help us to be able to walk. I mean, in, in David's time of need, the godly man ceasing and their, the faithful failing from among the children of men, David knew where to go. Where do you go? Where you been going? I mean, there's, there's all, you just take your phone and look at the news today. There'd be plenty, you know, to cause you to say, help, Lord. <laughs> you know, um, you know what, things, things will happen this week, won't they? There'll be plenty to happen to say, help, Lord. Um, you know, I was telling you about, I'm just, just flashed through my mind. Um, uh, we're going to take a few days off, you know, next week. We'll be back Sunday, the Lord willing. Uh, our plan is to be back Sunday anyway. But when we turned that canoe over and Teresa went under and I couldn't find her, I mean, there's a prayer. Help, Lord. You know, uh, if, we, if we have our, our wits about us, you know, some people talk about having their wits about them in a survival sort of manner. Well, you know, I, I got this and I got that and I got these things and I'll, I'll be able to survive. Well, I don't need something to strike, to start a fire. And I don't need just, you know, this, you know, a, a, a parachute cord and a knife and, you know, all this other type of stuff they talk about. What's the most important thing to have? Yeah, or water. Right? That's important. But what's the most important thing to have? This that David says here. Help, Lord. Help. Because uh, I could have none of those things and the Lord could still help me. I mean, think about, we talked about Elijah, right? Here, you know, he was being pursued. <laughs> he was, he, they wanted him put to death. Get rid of him. And Jezebel, I mean, at one point, didn't she say, you know, that if by the, the, the day's end, I think it was maybe, if, if he's not dead like those other priests, you know, that were slain, you know, then, then that, you know, be me. And it was. I mean, the dogs ate her and licked her blood. You know, there uh, where she fell. But um, Elijah was there by the brook Kidron, wasn't he? There, there was, it hadn't rained. There was a drought. And there was still a trickle of water there. The Lord sent him there to drink. He didn't have any meat. But the Lord brought it to him by what? Ravens. Yeah. So I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't have a gun, didn't have a knife, didn't have this, didn't have that. Guess what? The Lord's still able to provide. What, what's, 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 the, what's the thing that you ought to have in that survival bag more than anything else? Lord, help. Yeah. Lord, help. Um, so, the wicked are increasing and truth seems to be falling in the streets. But our God's greater than all the evil that's happening in our day, that flaunts itself in our day, that puffs at us in our day, our God rules and reigns. He rules and reigns. He has put down the rule of wicked men in the past, hasn't he? Guess what? He's going to put down the rule of wicked men in the future and in the present. He's going to put it down. And his kingdom will one day be fully and finally realized and there will be no more wicked rule. There will be no more wicked reign. Because the wicked will be no more. 
Psalm 115 verse 11 says, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help. What did David say? Help, Lord. And their shield. Psalm 124 verse 8, Our help, this is the main one I wanted to read, Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. What, Lord? The one that made the heavens and the earth. Made everything, right? Our help's in the Lord. Psalm 146, lastly. Psalm 146, verse 5 says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So, there you go. There's a, there's a prayer for you. A prayer to be used. A prayer to be remembered. A prayer to be offered. Often. Lord, help. Help, Lord. The, 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 the godly ceases. The faithful fail from among the children of men. Here we are in the midst of a, a wicked and a corrupt and a perverse generation. Lord, keep us. Preserve us. Help us. So, amen. Let's, let's stand. Did I make it? Amen. I have five minutes left. I made it. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll pray first, and then Lydia's got a hymn that uh, we're going to sing. Let's pray. Dad, would you pray for us?